Why do you love it so much? I think if you own your own business, you have to be prepared to take risks. Being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Yep, so if you're struggling, just stop and pause and, and really reflect on why am I struggling here. But I've also worked really hard and telling me it's luck, I think, just takes away some of that recognition of the hard work. One last question. Welcome to Tea with the Queen, a show where I talk with some of my favourite go-getters, inspiring and courageous women in leadership and business. I'm your host, Emma McQueen. I'm a business coach, executive coach, author and speaker. And for 20 years, I've been working with women to unlock their potential and get paid their worth while doing work they love. I often get comments from people about this podcast and how it sounds and how I manage to put it all together every fortnight. Well, I got to let you in on a little secret. My podcast producer does much of the heavy lifting behind the scenes to make sure it all goes smoothly and that the quality is the best it can be. He's actually one of the country's leading producers. His work includes paper cuts for office works, bouncing back for the Australian government, a podcast for the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival, Business Essentials Daily, which is Australia's number one daily business podcast. And you would have heard my interview with Dr. Lucy Burns, whose podcast, Real Life Medicine, is the leading podcast in the nutrition category on Apple Podcasts. The podcast expert, or purist as I like to call him, is Mr. Chris Ashmore. As you'll hear, he knows his art, but he also makes sure podcasting is a lot of fun too. I hope you enjoy this interview. Chris Ashmore, I am so happy to have you on Tea with the Queen. Most people don't know that Chris is my producer, my podcast producer, and he is also the first man on Tea with the Queen, which I'm pretty excited about, but I often get a lot of questions about my podcast, how it works, who helps me, etc., etc. and so I thought, let's get the man behind the scenes in for an interview and let's grill him so that uh, our audience can learn from all your beautiful expertise. So welcome along. <laughs> Thanks, Emma. I'm excited to be on this side of the microphone, but nervous as well. I didn't realise how nerve-wracking it can be for, for guests. Isn't it lovely that you've got that experience? That makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a photo shoot the other day with Femims, the amazing photographer, and I also had someone there doing some video work and they were videoing Fee. And Fee was like, oh, I don't like being on camera. Is this what it feels like? I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is awesome. So <laughs> it's great. So I just thought let's, uh, let's share with the audience your goodness and um, jump right in. And I know you don't like being called a podcaster, do you? Look, no, I don't, and I don't know if it's a snobby kind of thing, but uh, when someone says podcaster, because it's been around five minutes, this industry, it, people think of someone in their, you know, boxer shorts and T-shirts in their bedroom putting something together right. uh, out there. So I like to think of myself as, a, as an audio producer or a media producer that focuses on podcasts. And if you think... As I said, podcasts have been around just, you know, not that long. And it's only been around because the mobile devices. 
It's just a distribution channel, a podcast. You've got audio tapes back in the day and CDs, and you've got audio books. You've got all these other wonderful things. So as an audio producer, podcasting is just, yeah, one of many, and things change over time. So yeah, I might sound like a bit of a snob though. <laughs> ah, I call you a podcast purist. That's what I call you, but we'll get to why that is later. What okay. uh, Tell us, how did you get into podcasting? Good question, Emma. Um, now, we're around about the same age, aren't we? We're, we're about we 25 years old. <laughs> so <laughs> give or take a couple of years. But when we went to school, of course, there was no podcasting school. There was no classes in podcasting. So this is something that's only developed in recent years. But when I went to school, I always wanted to be a journo. And I went to Swinburne University, did a Bachelor of Arts, and I majored in media studies. And it was in that last year of doing the course that I thought, well, I better go and find a job when this is all over. So I went to the careers room at Swinney, and on the wall there was an ad for a sound engineer assistant. And one of the courses I took at Swinburne in the final year was a radio course, and I thought, well, this might be a good foot in the door in media. So the company was Business Essentials. And um, I, I applied for the job and the uh, manager said, well, you're probably more interested in doing journalism. And I said, yes. And he said, well, there's a, an opening for a production assistant. Would you like to apply for that? So I said, yes, why not? And I got the job. Now, Business Essentials, media production, producing audio content. Now, Back in the 80s and 90s, Emma, before we were born, um, you'll probably <laughs> remember, you know, not then, back in the 80s and 90s, driving in the car, a lot of people would listen to the radio like they do today. They listen to, you know, FM music or talkback radio on AM or the ABC, or they might listen to their own music on audio cassette. Back in the day, I used to love Debbie Gibson, so I used to have... Oh, wow. Tells me so much about you. <laughs> it does. Or you'd have your own mixed tapes. Yes, Did you I ever remember. Have your own mixed yeah, tapes? yeah, mix my tapes off the radio. Yeah, yeah, loved yep. it. You know that pause, play, pause, play kind of thing. Yeah, or pause, record, pause, record, pause, record. Yeah, it was. Ah, oh, you had to be your own little DJ, yeah. didn't you? At the time, there was also this kind of niche market for people, business people, and corporates and whatever on personal development. You could buy a six-pack audio cassette series on personal development or business ideas. It took off in the United States in the 80s and 90s. It was basically, yeah, a spoken word audio that you would buy. Um, Zig Ziglar or Brian Tracy, I don't know if those names mean anything to you, but at yeah. the time in the 80s, Business Essentials was the leader in Australia for business advice and information on audio tape. So when I joined... <laughs> That's yep. the company I joined. And it was, we were producing Business Essentials, which it's the world's longest running subscription business audio magazine. That's a bit of a mouthful. Wow. Uh, it's been running since 1984. And today it's, we're in our 37th year. And of course, it morphed into a CD. And these days it's on an app. So on every edition of Business Essentials, we do eight or nine interviews on how to run a better business right. for our audience who are business owners across the country. We did business essentials for GPs on how to run a better GP clinic. I produced business essentials for Australia Post. Then we did for pharmacists. I produced for the UK and the US editions 
So in the day, it was was huge. So that's the precursor, really, to podcasting. Basically, podcasting is just a different distribution channel. The audio cassettes and CDs are basically a podcast, but on audio cassette and CD. Yeah, true. They were all interview-style-based programs. So that's, in a nutshell, how I got into podcasting. And today we produce podcasts for Officeworks, for the Australian government. I produce one for the College of Surgeons, all interview-style-based stuff. Got yeah. And what makes a good podcast in your head? Yeah, uh, look, I'm a judge at the Australian Podcast Awards and the International Webby Awards. And from a technical aspect, of course, there are guidelines on how we are supposed to judge, but it comes down to the quality of the craft and the quality of the story. So the quality of the craft is actually how you technically put it together and how it sounds. The story is the concept. So the content. The content, exactly, exactly. And if you think of media kind of like a, a work of art, perhaps, mm-hmm. I don't know, have you been to Europe, Emma? Yes, yes, I have. Where have times. you been? Oh, I haven't All I over been. the place. Yeah. <laughs> and have you seen any artwork, any galleries while you were there? Well, yes, and old churches, galleries. I've been to Rome, so you know. Been to Rome. Well, there, well, that's that's yeah. a perfect example, I suppose. Yeah. And my wife and I went to Italy for our honeymoon many years ago, and yeah. you're overwhelmed really by the the Renaissance, the yes. artwork coming out from that era. Yep. Unbelievable, beautiful paintings, yeah. and the the detail and the quality of the craftsmanship of the depth of field and the brush strokes. And this is someone who doesn't actually doesn't know how to paint, but you know what I'm getting. Yeah, at. I know, I get it, I get it. The beauty of it, yeah, exactly. And it comes down to they are very good at painting. I mean, they've spent all these years. Now, after a while, you do get a bit um, overwhelmed by, I suppose, the genre. Those that had the money were yeah. having painters do portraits of themselves, or it was the Catholic Church. So it's a lot of Christian dominated concept and after a while you you think well can you do something more unique than just (laughs) these two things but they had the money to pay the artists to do it so you've got the craftsmanship on one side and then you've got the concept or the content which is very reflective of the christianity and people wanting a portrait and there's nothing much else other than that yeah so okay so with a podcast 99 percent of them the craftsmanship isn't very good as a podcast judge, they lack. And as a podcast purist, just saying, this might link in very nicely to my thought that you're a podcast purist, but continue. Right. <laughs> so the quality of the podcast, the craft, is how well the audio sounds. So it comes down to how good your microphone is, whether you're recording in a studio. And I advise, like you, Emma, with my clients to have a decent quality USB microphone. And through Business Essentials, we have our guests around the country go to the ABC studios and do a link up, a satellite link up, so that the quality is as good as if they are in the same studio. Now, these days, we have technology that you can buy for your own home office. So as long as your microphone is decent enough and you've got a good set of headphones and your room is well padded, I suppose, so it doesn't bounce off the walls, you can create the quality as good as a studio. 
The other craft, and I won't go into details because I, I could be here all day, is the quality of the interview, if, the, if it's an interview style or the quality of if it's a narrative style and putting all those voices together, music behind it to elevate the mood if that's what you're looking for. So it, that's what makes a good podcast. I love that. And what about a host? What makes a good host or a good interviewer? I would say empathy and a high EQ. And that's something, unlike IQ, maybe, you don't tend to improve on, or maybe you can, but EQ, you can definitely improve on your emotional intelligence. There's a Japanese phrase called kuki yomenai, which I love. Kuki means air or atmosphere. Yomenai is can't read can't read the atmosphere yeah and a lot of westerners sort of if it's quiet oh they just start talking to fill up the space if i can tell you a bit of a story and i've told you this once before emma years ago i lived in japan for about for about a decade while i was there i worked for a short time for a uh, english teaching school and i lived in an apartment that they provided for me it was about 20 minutes from the train station about an hour from the main part of Tokyo. I wasn't in a particularly good space. So I split up with a, with a girlfriend at the time and um, I wasn't enjoying what I was doing and all these, uh, you know, I didn't have much money, all these things, right? The place that I moved in, it was the size of a caravan. It was tiny. And not only that, the people in the neighbourhood I thought were the most miserable people <laughs> you would ever meet. You'd walk okay. down the street and they weren't smiling, they were looking down, not looking you in the eye and all those kinds of things, right? And then I um, managed to get a bit of money and I, I left that job, moved to a, another job, which I enjoyed, and I moved into a neighbourhood that I absolutely loved. It was three-minute walk from the train station. It was near the Tama River or the Tamagawa, which is mm -hmm. separates Tokyo proper from Kanagawa Prefecture. Miles of um, baseball fields and soccer fields it was open air and the other thing i noticed emma everybody was lovely in the neighborhood you'd walk down the street i'd be um you know people looking in the eye and they'd be smiling and you know i don't know if it was at the time or a little bit afterwards i thought it's not them and it wasn't the other neighborhood where the people were miserable it was me they were just reflecting what i was like when i was walking down the street if you walk past somebody and they're all frowning and looking miserable, you won't want to have eye contact with them. Yeah, right. But okay. if you're walking down the street and you're clicking your heels all happy as Larry as I was when I moved to the new place, it's infectious. Everybody else around you is also happy. So it wasn't them, it was me. And this long story illustrates it's your job to make the interviewee happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's true. So I'm the host or the interviewer to kind of bring the energy and shape how they want the podcast to roll and how to make sure that their guest feels comfortable enough to, you know, get into whatever the questions are, but also leave them with a really positive experience. Absolutely. And the content, if it's an interview style podcast, Emma, the content is only as good as what the interviewee says. Mm. And what the interviewee says is only as good as the questions that you ask and the response that you elicit from your guests. So that's why it's important for the interviewer to be calm, be confident, and to get that out from the guest. Yeah, got ya, got ya. I love that. 
Good. Thanks for that story. <laughs> What's the Japanese phrase? Kuki yomenai. Kuki yomenai. That's right. So yomu means read. Yomeru means can read. Yomenai means cannot read. So cannot read the atmosphere. That's cool. That's so cool. So you've just touched on the fact that you need to give your guests a decent experience mm. um, and the questions, you know, help with that and how they respond to the questions help with that. What's any tips for anyone who's invited onto a podcast? Very good question, Emma. Um. Oh, thank you. I mean, these questions are fantastic, aren't they? <laughs> They are eliciting good response. Well, I hope they are. Um, <laughs> look, as a guest, if you're invited onto a podcast and for anyone in business, you really should try as a strategy to get yourself onto a podcast because then you're in front of an audience, a potential market, if you will, that you haven't been exposed to before. And to be able to provide your, your thoughts and ideas only reflects good on your business. Yeah. To do that, to be a good interviewee, and I think communication, verbal communication is one of, if not the most important skill that you could have in business. We spend all our years learning how to write an essay in high school. And when we finish, we never write an essay. And yet mm. we always talk and we should be talking. True. How do you become a good speaker? I'd put it down to three things. PCC, not CCP, not the Chinese Communist Party, but PCC. And number one is personality. Right. You've got to have a person. Got to have some. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nobody wants to listen to a misery guts. They want to listen to someone who's passionate, who's interesting, who actually is that. You can fake it till you make it and that's fine, but you'll be uh, – yeah, for those listening at home, we do not condone faking it till you make it. <laughs> Just bring yourself, bring your personality, show up, bring your energy. Yeah, okay. What's the other CCs? What's the CC apart from Canadian Club? <laughs> <laughs> well, the second one is confidence. You've got to be confident. And I don't mean arrogant. I mean confident about what it is you're talking about. So you've got to know what you're talking about. And that will provide your credibility. Let's say you're a psychologist and you've got 20 years experience and you've got a PhD and you've written a book, yep, you've got the credibility, no worries. But as soon as you open your mouth and you're mumbling and stuttering and you're umming and ahhing, well, that lowers the credibility and the confidence. And so the listener doesn't feel that from you. The third C is something that, Emma, you always say to your clients, clarity. Mm. I was going to say, I thought that would be in confidence, actually, because if you're vague about your thing, about your whatever the thing is you're talking about, then there's zero clarity, right? But I'm glad that clarity is there. Yeah. Confidence comes first. Absolutely. And then you've got to be clear with how you say it or how you speak. So people understand what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, I don't know who said it. And it could have been Einstein. He said, if you can't explain it to a six year old, then you don't understand it yourself. And I completely agree with that. You should be able to explain whatever it is clearly so that the other person completely understands what it is you're talking about. Yeah, so the three steps to good communication, PCC, personality, confidence, and clarity. Love it. Love it. Oh, my favourite there is confidence and clarity, of course. <laughs> Tell me, what's an example of someone who speaks well? I'm glad you asked that. Look, I think one of the, my favourite speakers is Oprah Winfrey. Mm, 
I mean, she's had 30 years of standing in front of a live studio audience, so you'd think she'd be able to get it uh, down pat. But um, I want to give you an example, Emma, of the 2018 Golden Globe Awards. Do you remember vaguely that she made a speech? Yeah. And she accepted the Cecil B. DeMille Award for Lifetime Achievement. Yeah. And she gave a nine-minute speech. I'm only going to play two minutes of it. Okay. Just to give you an idea of how well she speaks. Cool. In 1964, I was a little girl sitting on the linoleum floor of my mother's house in Milwaukee, watching Anne Bancroft present the Oscar for Best Actor at the 36th Academy Awards. She opened the envelope and said five words that literally made history. The winner is Sidney Poitier. Up to the stage came the most elegant man I had ever seen. I remember his tie was white and of course his skin was black and I'd never seen a black man being celebrated like that. And I have tried many, many, many times to explain what a moment like that means to a little girl, a kid watching from the cheap seats as my mom came through the door, bone tired from cleaning other people's houses. But all I can do is quote and say that the explanation in Sydney's performance in Lilies of the Phil, amen, 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 amen. In 1982, Sydney received the Cecil B. DeMille Award right here at the Golden Globes, and it is not lost on me that at this moment, there are some little girls watching as I become the first black woman to be given the same award. Wow, hey? Gave me shivers. She goes on for another seven minutes to thank all and sundry, and about two minutes after that, they wanted her to be the President of the United States from that. <laughs> Goodness knows she would have done a better job. Anyway, well, we're not political yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> but that's how powerful that speech was. And she had a story. You could just, you know, when she said, I was a little girl sitting on the lino floor, you can just imagine, you know, yeah, yeah. how poor she was and how her mum yeah. came through the door bone tired after cleaning other people's houses, other people being other white people, yeah. reinforcing the fact that she's the first black woman to have received the Cecil B. DeMille Award. The whole thing was amazing. But what got me as an editor was that she talked off the cuff. She didn't read a script. And not once did she say, um, or ah, which is pretty incredible. And so that credibility, that confidence just is mesmerizing for all those technical things as a presenter. So that's someone who I think speaks well. I love that. I mean, my next question, you've given us some tips already, but my next question is about someone thinking about doing a podcast, you know, what are your tips? Having said that, I just want to come back to my point about you being a podcast purist uh-huh. and what I mean by that, because I don't know if we've ever discussed it. But when people say to me, oh, who runs your podcast? How do you do it? Rah, rah, rah. I'm like, okay, well, Chris Ashmore runs my podcast and he does an amazing job, but he's a purist. And they're like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, don't ring Chris and say, yeah, let's do like Zoom and audio. He'll be like, no. 
<laughs> it infects the quality of the audio if you're doing Zoom as well, you know, like using too much bandwidth, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't use quality tools like the headphones and the microphone, Chris won't love that. He'll either fix it or you'll need to fix it before you get to work with it. So you're quite a purist in that sense. I know lots of people do their podcasts at home. That's not my gig, but, you know, some people do podcasts at home. But I know that you're like, let's do it in a studio, or let's do it, you know, where the technicality is great. And I think that's why, well, that I know that's why I love working with you. And I suspect that that's not necessarily for everyone because they want to use content in a whole variety of ways. Whereas I'm just, I want the clearest, sharpest audio that we've got. That's Well, it's a different medium. Video is entirely different medium. Mm. Um, it's got its own purpose for it. So audio is a particular space where people want to listen while they're doing something else. Video, you've got to sit down and watch it. That's the whole point. We're all busy. Why would you want to watch someone's video when you can watch Netflix? Yeah. Audio, there's a particular reason for it. When someone's thinking of doing a podcast... The first question is why? Why are you doing it? What are your goals? Okay. And if you can answer that, the second question to ask yourself is, well, then who is your audience? Yeah. Who do you want to target? And so if your audience are professionals, perhaps in their 30s and 40s, well, that is the audience that listens to podcasts more than anyone. So why don't you have an audio strategy? You can have a video strategy, and I can do a video, but I think audio is the most engaging form of media, and it's cheaper than putting a video together. Yeah, right. And so if you're going to do it, you do it properly. Yeah, see, the purest. The purest in you. So tell us, <laughs> what are a couple of tips? If someone is thinking about doing a podcast, you've already told us that they need to understand their audience and know why they're doing a podcast and who their audience is. What other tips might you have? Well, that intersection of the who. Yeah. And the why mm-hmm. dictates the what, the content of your podcast. Yeah. Okay. So if once you understand the who your audience is and why you're doing it, mm-hmm. then you can work on what the content is. Now, just remember, 80% of people who seek out a podcast do so for self-education, self-knowledge. If you can educate your market on something, that's a good start. Mm-hmm. But if you can do it in an entertaining way, mm. that's where you'll get engagement. That's my E times E equals E squared formula. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I thought that might be MR times MR equals MR squared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I love it. So you need to educate in an entertaining way and you'll get engagement. So how do you do that? Well, it comes down to stories. Yeah, metaphors, analogies. So if you can be able to tell a story to get a point across, people won't remember necessarily statistics and historical dates and events, but they will remember a story. Yeah, so true. So tell your stories, tell them well, tell them with passion, make them interesting. And if you're a podcast, I was going to say a podcaster, if you're a podcast host, then get all that together in good audio quality. So one tip, if you're doing a podcast like this, Emma, you're at your place, I'm at my place, invest in a good microphone, a Rode NT-USB, $209 at JB Hi-Fi, get that. Also get decent quality headphones so the audio doesn't seepage out 
don't use Zoom because Zoom was um, designed for office meetings and catching up with your family. It's not designed for audio quality. Use instead Squadcast, squadcast squadcast.fm. It records at 44.1 kilohertz, which is the same as an audio CD. And then when you get it all together, invest in a good producer or editor to make it sound schmicko. Schmicko. Well, that's what you do with Tea with the Queen. And I know lots of people ask me about why the episodes of Tea with the Queen are only 20 minutes. And that was a strategy from our perspective because the reality is, yes, you can have a podcast that's an hour or two hours long, but my brand is about getting results and just one step at a time. So we don't want a long podcast. We want 20 minutes short and sharp, get in, get out, and find some inspiration and also have a cup of tea with it, right? Because tea with the queen. That's it. So, you know, I, I think uh, everyone's each to their own, but I love the 20-minute episodes. I think they're awesome. And it, it is reflective with TED Talks. Mm-hmm. TED Talks is 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's long enough to get the point across. It's short enough to keep it interesting, to keep it engaging. Yeah. And 20 minutes is is a nice, comfortable I love that. thing. Anyone can do a podcast. Yeah. But it's hard to do it well. Yeah, right. And tell me... My final question is, what podcasts do you listen to or that you would recommend for inspiration? For inspiration, depending on the audience, but let's, you know, I know your audience well, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> you do. And I think these would be good ones. One is How I Work with Dr. Amantha Imber, and she's the CEO of Inventium, and they're sort of an innovation company, workplace innovation. Cool. Okay. So they've done many different things. They work, I think these days, they have a four-day work week and they get as much done in the four days as they do a five days. She also provides her employees, they can take as many days off as they want and still get paid. Wow. So very innovative. Yeah. But her podcast is so good to listen to. Amantha is a wonderful host. Her subjects or her guests are leaders in industry. She's in, I think she's she's interviewed the uh, editor of the Australian Financial Review as an example about how they work. It's all about the workplace. It's really well put together, really clever. Love that. Another one is Podcasting Essentials. This is uh, produced by Sound Cartel. So Business Essentials, I'm still a senior producer there and we've changed our name to Sound Cartel. We produce Podcasting Essentials to give you ideas of what to do with a branded podcast. The third one is one I produce for Dr. Mary Barson and Dr. Lucy Burns. It has been a number of times number one in the nutrition category on Apple podcast charts. It's called Real Health and Weight Loss. There's no guests. It's those two each episode riffing off each other, just talking about eating real food and having a wonderful, healthy lifestyle. It's fantastic. I love that. I love that Lucy and Mary are also thriving women because, you know, ah, it's awesome. They are. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for uh, jumping on, getting on the other side. I know that, um, well, I know how I feel when I'm hosting and interviewing and I also know what it feels like on the other side. So thank you so much for giving us your tips. And if anyone wants to contact you, how do they do that? Go to my website, chrisashmore.me, because it's all about me. (laughs) <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> and my social media handles are all Mr. Chris Ashmore, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. 
I love that. Thank you, Mr. Chris Ashmore, for coming on. It's been awesome. I hope that my audience really take the tips and find a little bit of gold in there on their 20-minute cup of tea. But thanks so much for coming on. Emma, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you love this episode, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And you're very welcome to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us with promoting the podcast for others to listen to inspirational topics on leadership and business. And if you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au.